Amen. Thank you so much. Only trust him. What amazing hymn today. A lot of truth in that song. Take your Bibles, if you would, today and open up to Galatians chapter number five in the word of God today. Galatians and chapter number five. And as you find your place here in the word of God, would you please stand for the reading of God's word today? If your health allows you to, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Galatians chapter number five. And we're going to begin here in verse number 16, Galatians chapter number 5. Going to work our way through several verses here and concentrate really just on one verse and particularly one word today as the Lord allows us to and the Holy Spirit leads today. Galatians chapter number 5. Would you please follow along as I read beginning in verse number 16. The Bible says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and... Ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are the manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, Emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murdering, drunkenness, uh, revivals, and such like. I tell you before that I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse number 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. This morning, I'd like to look at this passage of Scripture, and especially verse number 22, and preach a message entitled, Controlling 2020. Controlling 2020. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, thank you, Lord, once again, that we can come in here. Thank you, Father, that we are able to come into the auditorium today. We're not dealing with the sun or the wind or dusting off our chairs. And Lord, we just are thankful for that. But Father, it's not about how comfortable we are in our surroundings. But Lord, I just ask that you would make us uncomfortable in our sin today. Father, you know that I've wrestled even this morning about really preaching the message that I'm about to preach. But Father, you've given the green light and you said to do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to preach it today, Father. Work on my heart. Work on the hearts of our students here today. Yes, Father, we understand that there will be some that will sit on their phone and won't play, tune in, won't pay attention. They'll dream about yesterday and worry about tomorrow and they'll miss what you have for them. But, Father, for the select that will be here today that have already prayed, Lord, give me something. That, Father, I ask that you do just that. Father, may we never be afraid of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I ask, Father, that you would convict us today. Father, there may be one here that needs encouraged. Lord, encourage them in the word today. Father, just lead, guide, and direct. I love you, Savior. In your Son's holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul in this passage of scripture is walking us through the works of the flesh in chapter, or verse number 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. 
we're reminded to walk in the Spirit. The Spirit, college student, you understand, is always warring against the flesh. It's not that you and I just get saved and that's it and it's over and, well, we can, we can move on with our life and we're never going to struggle with our flesh again. No, you and I understand that each and every day, even at Bible college, you and I have this constant tug of war that's taking place. You and I are constantly having this battle of the spirit and the flesh that is always happening, I feel like, on a daily basis. I told our senior men just several weeks ago, and it kind of reminds me of uh, many of you, I know you've grown up in the era of PlayStation, and you've grown up in the era of Xbox, and, and, uh, but some of you do remember back in the day the old Nintendo. So it was the original Nintendo, Dr. R, that I'm sure your family had, Nintendo Entertainment System. It was the first one that came out in 1988, and you'd pop open this little uh, uh, cabinet, and you'd stick the cartridge in, and you'd press it down and then you'd shut the top you hit the power and Mario was the big craze back then then the Super NES came out the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and uh, this was 64-bit wow can you even imagine 64-bit it was the craze of the day and, uh, that's what Carrie and I my wife and I, that's what we grew up on was Nintendo baby and we take these cartridges this was a little bit different you take that cartridge some of you remember and you'd place it in the top of the Super Nintendo system you'd place it in the top you'd push down a little bit harder and then you'd slide that button up and you'd always hear that Bring! <laughs> it, was, it was ready to play whatever you were gonna play whether it was Mario or for me it was NBA Jam and I still remember boom shakalaka was the big word on there and I was awesome at two to NBA Jam and, and you remember that Nintendo but uh, it's funny that sometimes if you can recall sometimes you'd hit that power button the light would come on but nothing would take place on the screen you'd make sure you had the right channel you would make sure that it was on but, but but nothing would be on there so some of you remember what would we do then We'd hit that eject button. Some of you'd hit it a little bit harder than us, but you hit that eject button. You'd take the cartridge out, and what would you do? Say it out loud. You'd blow on it. You'd take that cartridge and I know I'm not wearing a mask, so let me back up a little bit here. You'd blow it, and you'd stick it back in, and you'd hit the power button. If nothing came on, you'd hit that eject button even harder. Bam, you'd take it out, and you'd blow it again. But what would take place in the life of that game? What was taking place there is, is the game was in, and everything looked set, and everything looked right, but something was disconnecting. There was dust in there that was not enabling that system to use that car correctly and I feel like at times in the life of a Christian as we have the spirit and the flesh warring against each other everything looks right in our life we're we're in chapel we've got our tie on our shoes are shine well we're in Bible college and everything's good and everything's great and, and it might even be that the power button is on and we're saved but I'm just here to tell you at times we're not being used the way that we could we should be being used at times I feel like the Holy Spirit has to come in and begin to blow some of the sin that is in our life. Some of the things that we have allowed to creep in, whether it be apathy or bitterness or anger, whatever the case might be in our life. Sometimes, as Paul was going through, we have allowed these things to come in. What I love about verse number 22, look at it with me, is the first word is but. That little word is the hinge upon which great events and great truths turn. 
So it is right here. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, and all these are named. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then we get to verse number 22, and it says, but... And we head into these, what we call these fruits of the Spirit. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, just as an introduction, I would like for you to write this down. The first three fruits that we see here of the Spirit, they're emotional. This is love, joy, and peace. Love, I'm going to head through these very quickly for time's sake today, but love is the sum or the substance of the Christian life. It began with love. God is love. In our life, as the Holy Spirit takes over, as you and I become more like our Abba Father, this is going to show through. By this shall all, th shall all men know that ye are my disciples, that ye what? Love one another. Then we see the fruit of the Spirit here, joy. Joy is not, comprehend, not another word for happiness. Happiness is, depends on what takes place or happens in our life. Oh, we got a good grade. We're happy. Oh, I got a girlfriend. I'm happy. Oh, I have a boyfriend. I'm happy. Oh, three and a half weeks of school. Up. I'm happy. Understand, listen now. Happiness and joy are not the same. Joy smiles in the face of even the most adverse of circumstances. Joy take, took place even at Calvary. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then we have this word peace. As you and I watch now, allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. The more we become like him, the more we begin to comprehend this word peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. It, is, it was his legacy. It was his legacy. Even at Calvary, the Prince of Peace himself was, was God. The peace of God which passeth, passeth all understanding. Now watch, I'm going to move so quick. And I know you're saying, my goodness, uh, Brother Shepherd, sounds like you are. You're in high speed. And I am in high speed. But I know how much time I've got. And I know where I need to pause. So you just buckle your seatbelt for a minute and just hold on as we get through this. Comprehend that everything that has taken place in 2020, isn't it amazing? As there is mass panic, as we're having uh, a COVID virus all over, as numbers spike, as people are in hospitals, as people are dying, and, and, and as stuff has been shut down. Isn't it amazing? that if you watch Fox News or CNN or C uh, CBS or ABC, whatever your flavor is, the amount of fear that has been put upon us. People not coming out of their houses, camped up. I mean, still, the, the fear. I mean, good grief. And in, in March, the, the big crazy, we couldn't even find toilet paper here in the Antelope Valley. I mean, it was just absolute sheer panic. But, but, but if you and I really now have the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to have peace even in 2020. It was our Savior that was on earth that, that could sleep during the raging storm. He could await unmoved, watch now, as this man, demon-possessed, a madman, which the whole town was horrified of. He could stand there with just absolute, just solidarity. He could hold his peace when his enemies baited and badgered and falsely accused and mocked and railed upon him. That's the peace that you and I ought to have living in our hearts. We see, first of all, these first three are emotional, but the next three fruits of the Spirit are, are evidential. They provide a, a visible proof that God is in work in our life, in the believer's heart. There is long-suffering. 
You and I are not to have a short fuse. There is gentleness. The word is used. It's, a, it's an unusual word here, but, but, but it's used for kindness or a goodness of heart. That ought to be in the life of a, a Christian. It ought to be a, a evident in our life. Then we have the word goodness. This is a reflecting of the goodness of God. The next three are elemental. Now, think about that word. It was Brother England that used that word the other day, and I wrote it down, and I really liked it. So I even asked my wife today, does this match? She said, yeah, it matches. I said, I'm going to put it in there. The next three fruits of the Spirit are elemental. That is, they are the ultimate basics of the Christian life. Faith. For without faith, it is possible to please God. Meekness. We understand it's not weakness. The Lord Jesus described himself as being meek when he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lonely in heart. But then we come, now watch, tune in. Then we come to this last word. Are you ready for this? Temperance. How often do you use that word? Not very often. It's really not part of our vocabulary every day. The word temperance. You see, college student, many problems in life are related to a lack of temperance. People feel like 2020, their lives are out of control. Pressures and circumstances seem insurmountable and at times overwhelming. There is not a faculty member that sits in this auditorium today that has not felt at times, even during these last two terms, overwhelmed. Circumstances that we cannot control. We don't get to make the rule whether you have to wear a mask or sit in every other seat in an auditorium that would, that would fit four times the amount of students that are in here today. We don't get to make up those rules. We don't get to say when restaurants open. We don't get to say when the tents come down. We don't get, I mean, there, are, there have been moments over the last six months that every faculty member has felt that pressure. And can I tell you today, as a college student, I understand you've been there as well overwhelmed a feeling like life is out of control but for just a moment here's all i want to do i just want to dive into that word temperance controlling 2020. number one if you're taking notes today would you write this down number one temperance defined temperance defined the word temperance defined is defined as in our english language self-control or discretion Proverbs says it like this, My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace unto thy neck. Then shalt thou walk in the way safely, and thy foot shall not stumble. Isn't that what the Christian life ought to look like? Isn't this the very foundation of every college student in this room? That it does not matter what the circumstances of 2020 brings us, that you and I, watch now, we have self-control in our life. That ought to be the very basis of, of, of what you and I live and what other people see in our life. I remember several years ago, back playing, I was playing in a basketball league, and, and uh, I had my family there, and they watched, and, and uh, it was just a church league. We play other churches uh, uh, in our county, and, and I was playing, and, and I enjoy uh, playing sports, and, and I was playing, and there was this one guy that we were playing, that, I'll just be honest, the guy was just, I don't even know how to put it except to say, he's just a jerk. I mean, it was just, 
you know, he wasn't a Baptist, baby. I mean, he was probably like Catholic or something like that because he was really mean. And I'm telling you, every time our guys were going up, he was trying to undercut their legs. He was fouling super hard. He was arguing with the referee. He was just, I mean, there is no other way to put it, but the guy was just not very Christian-like. And I know we get competitive, and I know, Dr. Shetler, we're going to be playing football out there, and hopefully there's no injuries, there's no bad job. We're just getting out there to have some fun. That is literally it. This is not the NFL. This is literally, let's get out there and just have fun. This guy was not taking it that way. The guy was just belligerent. And finally, I remember going up for a rebound, and I was getting a, <laughs> I was getting a little bit in the flesh, okay? But still, and I just I thought, I don't care what I do. I, I am going to get this rebound. As this ball goes up, and it comes off the rim, and I'm just thinking, Lord, give me the jumps of Superman right now, because all I want, I will be satisfied in life if I can just bring down this rebound. And we both, him and I, both go up. <laughs> and I felt like I had flubber on the bottom of my shoes. I just, I was, oh, I was floating. I felt so good. I'm like, I'm going to get this ball. The crazy thing is, the guy never jumped. You know what he did? He came down like this. And as I got that ball, I came down on his back and flipped over backwards, and I stood up with that ball. And have you ever been there where you're just, just overrun with emotion? I know Coach is in here today, and he's saying, yeah, I got half my team is like that. And you're just, you're overrun, you just, and right as I just, just right as, I don't know what I was going to do. I really didn't have to worry about it. My wife was outside taking the air out of his tires, so I didn't really have to get back with him, but <laughs> I was thinking just, and right as I looked at him, I looked past, and I could see my little eight-year-old son sitting there watching me. Control. I told you, let me remind you, the world is watching you. Sure, Dr. Getch and I see you out here, and we see you paying attention, and we see your Bible open, and we see you in the classroom, and we see you handing in stuff on Canvas. But I'm just telling you, other people see you in the dorm, and they see you at work, and they see you in public. 2020 has taught us many things, from mass to social distancing to having church at home and how mean people can be and how much time social media can suck up our time. But if, if there was any outcome this year, I trust that you and I have grown in temperance, that you and I have grown in self-control. Number two, would you write this down? Temperance displayed. We know that it is defined as self-control, okay? So how in the life of a Christian is it displayed? Another definition of temperance is this, it's discipline. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians. He said, know ye not that they which run, run a race, uh, excuse me, run in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight, not as one that beateth the air, but keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should have been a castaway. Paul is comparing the Christian life to an Olympian whose life is characterized by discipline and self-control. Hey, listen, caution, tune in for just a moment. Watch now. Every goal in your life means nothing without discipline. You will never reach or be able to obtain what you want to in the future without having some disciplines in your life now. 
You are never going to lose weight without starting to uh, uh, talk about and explore and start a diet. You are never going to be able to bench press 100 pounds without starting with the bar first or maybe 300, you know, like some people, not me. But anyways, you're never going to be able to obtain what you want to be able to obtain without some disciplines in your life. A college student, here's what I'm saying. Now watch, 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 watch. If it is, if we're going to have a definition of self-control and then we're going to have discipline, if it's going to be temperance, comprehend, and temperance is going to be some discipline, then where should we be disciplined in our life? Would you write this down? We ought to be disciplined in our spiritual life. Our spiritual life. I know we're in Bible college and, and I know you're here and I praise the Lord that you're here. But I'm telling you, if you think for one moment that you can be here and you're fine and you're dandy and everything's good and everything's great and you, know, you and God are good because you're taking Old Testament survey and you've got to read 68 chapters a week and, and you're taking methodical and you've got to have all these tests and you're taking uh, what Daniel and you're learning the Bible so you and God, <laughs> we're good. I'm just telling you, friend, you're missing it. You're not good just because you're in Bible college. What is the discipline in your life to read your Bible? And I'm not talking about for a project. I'm talking about personally. I'm talking about in your life, when is the last time you stop for a moment and you just begin to meditate on the goodness of God? When is the last time nobody had to beg and plead and, hey, why don't you come to Missionary Prayer Bay? Hey, why don't you come up and, and we're going to meet over in Revels and we're going we're gonna to just sit down and we're going to pray for this election. I'm just talking about when was it that it didn't have to be an organized prayer time? When was it when you and I listen now very carefully, even in Bible college, had such a disciplined prayer life that nobody had to tell us when to talk to God. We just understand and comprehend that He is our Abba Father. He is our Savior. He is the light of the tribe of Judah and yet although all these all of these things they still are very best friend and it's not just religion it's a relationship and we have this that this time that we absolutely cannot give by we have to talk with him for when's the last time what about discipline in your studies I I'm just telling you brother Weaver I, I just I, I know I've only been here for three years but I just never seen a freshman class like this do you know how many freshmen I have I have had come up and ask, can you show me how to write a schedule? Can you show me how to study? My high school, we, we did not go through this and, and I'm a little bit overwhelmed. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you the amount of students that have been, what, what's that called? Well, they're young and they're freshmen and they just don't get it. Nope, you know what they, you know what they want in their life? Some discipline to be able to study and to dive in the Word of God and learn and to plan ahead and to work hard in Bible college. I'm just telling you, friend, that ought to be in the life of all of us. It's a disciplined spiritual life, but it's an also a disciplined physical life. Temperance is manifested by a disciplined physical life. Paul said, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. I'm not going to pause here long, but i just be honest, college student, I think in 2020, all of us ought to be working at, I don't care what your age is, all of us ought to be working at staying in shape. Stay in shape. You know, Dr. R, you told us a story about this summer, you were walking and you were reading a book and, and you stepped on a, I think it was a pine cone and you tripped and you fell and uh, a lady helped you and we, we all remember that illustration I used so well. You know what I appreciated about the story that probably nobody else got? was here was a man that is yeah, 62 years old, right around there, 61. Yeah, sounds good. 58, 40, whatever. Uh, here's a man who, who still is concerned about his health. 
It's going to walk. Hey, friend, it's discipline in our spiritual. It's discipline in our physical life. That means this. At times, learning when to say no to some things. Learning when to say no to pride, hatred, bitterness, time. Other time that's wasting our time. It's discipline spiritual. It's discipline physical life. But I want you to write this down. It's also a disciplined speech. I know I'm moving fast, but just, just, just hang on. Watch now. It's a disciplined speech. Temperance is manifested by a disciplined speech. Those who are bearing the fruit of temperance will know what to say and what to refrain from saying. At times, this is tough. I just be honest. At times, there is no doubt it is tough to refrain from saying what we want to say. But remember, it's self-control. One of the fruits of the Spirit that people ought to see in us is control. It is discipline in our speech. The day and age which you and I live is a day and age when everybody is on every social media outlet. Everyone is always speaking their mind. If there was ever, listen, cause you, if there was ever a day and age where we really had to have some self-control, it is on social media because everybody is letting us know everything that they think and what they feel and who they are and hashtag happy and hashtag sad and hashtag uh, you know, uh, mad and hashtag, listen guys, I'll just be honest, this was not at West Coast Baptist College, thank the Lord for this. But I literally saw a guy, yes, a male, put a hashtag the other day, upset tummy. <laughs> hey guys, please, please, you talk about self-control. I wrote out like six or seven, dude, would you, look, bro, you need to, look, you need to, have you ever tried on a pair of pants? Have you ever, I mean, I'm like, no, oh, just self-control, I won't say it. I was telling you, guys, everybody, we've got to have control in our speech. Well, Brother Shepherd, that's nice. No, this is not, this is not the, the Thomas Shepherd show up here. Do you know how much our speech is talking, spoken of in the Word of God? We ought to be disciplined, have self-control. Hey, college, what about lying? What about lying? The Bible says, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth to his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And God, let me remind you today, a little white lie is a lie. A little stretch of the truth is still a lie. A little, little bit of a, a insinuation is still a lie. Well, I, I, I didn't read all of the book, but I'll just go ahead and put yes, and, and I'll finish it later. No, the question on Canvas was, did you read? If you say true and you didn't, you're a liar, friend. Well, Bo Shepherd, I mean, is it really a big deal? Yeah, because the habits that you set today is going to be your life tomorrow. Well, what, what about foul language? The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth, but that to which is the good of use of edifying that it may minister grace unto to the hearers. Hey guys, look, I, I'm just, I'm not here to harp on anyone. This is not a message. This is, I have prayed over this message, but I'm just telling you, we got to watch out. We, we need to, as Christians, watch our language today. The world I feel like, even when I was young, did not use the language that it uses today. Carrie and I just last month were walking through an airport and this lady's walking by and I'm telling you, if, if she said the F word once, she said it 20 times with five kids right here, right around us. Just, I'm just telling you, 10 years ago, we'd have never heard that. The world is getting more foul. Hey, friend, let me just, let me just tell you, stay away from it. 
Stay away. Keep far from it. Why? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. What about insult? The Bible says, he that is slow to anger is better than a mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit eh, eh, than he that taketh a city. The Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. I'm just telling you, look, look, call the student, watch. I'm just telling you, take up for those who are being picked on. Don't be a bully. Be careful for those who fling insults. For every college student here today, I'm just telling you, there are going to be freshmen that are going to make decisions on whether they come back in the, the spring term or not based on your speech. And if you are constantly talking about Brother Shepherd behind his back and, and the dean's office did this and, and it's insult and they don't know and they said this and I'm just telling you, I've done my study and well, that missionary really doesn't know and they just don't really. I'm just telling you, friend, watch. You are going to affect someone's life by the way that you speak. And may you and I stay far from it and be disciplined in our speech. Watch, but watch this. We ought to be disciplined in our thoughts. Temperance is also manifested by disciplined thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 states, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity, every thought in the obedience of Christ. Before a wrong decision is ever made, opinions are first formed in the heart and in the mind. That's why the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now watch here, college student. I want all eyes up here. You don't need to take notes right here. I want all eyes up because you've got to catch this. The biggest problem in fundamentalism today is not wearing a white shirt behind the pulpit. And one of the biggest problems in fundamentalism today is not this guy versus this guy. Or who's the highest or who runs the most. We have become so infatuated in battling each other that I'm here to tell you, college student, listen, we're all adults in here. We are losing the battle of our minds today. This is not Christian camp. This is not 40 lost kids in here. I'm talking to you, college student, that we future preachers, we future missionaries, we future elementary teachers, we future media men, we future me, uh, 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 music ladies. I'm just telling you, listen very carefully. We are losing the battle to pornography. You talk about awkward, talk about pornography in the pulpit. West Coast Baptist College, we're losing this battle. Well, it doesn't pertain to us. It doesn't, it doesn't really affect us. Friend, I'm here to tell you, as you are sitting in here, it is affecting us. God, give us revival. God, call me to the mission field. Oh, Lord, let me be used. Yes, yes. Look, we're plugging in, and there's no power there. And I'm telling you why. We've, we are giving our minds away to our devices. You want to hear something that should shock you to the core? Over 40 million Americans every day visit porn sites. There are now over 370 million pages of pornography. The industry is so large now that the annual revenue is more than the NFL, the NBA, and the Major League Baseball combined. It is also bigger than the revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. Friend, 47% Almost 50%, 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. 
Pornography, excuse me, gentlemen, listen to this very carefully. Pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300% in the life of a Christian. 11 now is the average age a child is exposed to pornography. 94% of kids in America will have seen pornography by the time they are the age of 14. 56% of American divorces involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 70%, excuse me, youth leaders, look up here for just a moment. 70% of Christian youth pastors report that they have had at least one teen come to them for help dealing with pornography in the last 12 months. You catching this? 68% of church-going men view pornography on a regular basis. Of young Christians, we're not talking about the lost world. Of young Christians, listen very carefully. Ages 20, excuse me, 18 to 24, 76% actively search for pornography. 59% of pastors said that married men seek their help for porn use. 59% are dealing with this in their churches. Well, I'm just saying, that's right, Brother Shepherd. Go ahead and preach to him. These men today, they're just, excuse me, ladies, hold on just a moment. 33% of women aged 25 and under search pornography at least once a month. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say they have never watched porn. That's 87% of Christian women say that they have watched porn. 50 points, 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they have watched porn, uh, watched porn at least once a month. 58% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue to their congregation. And 69% say porn has adversely impacted their church. Friend, I'm just here to tell you today, listen very carefully. We can sit here all we want. We can meet up in Revels and have prayer meetings. We can watch as missionaries are strewn across this auditorium. We can sit up in that balcony each and every week. And, and if we had an offering every week, raise our hand. Yeah, I'll get $5 here. Yeah, I'll get $5 here. Yeah, I'll send up Brother Houck's class. And, and I'll learn all about the anti-Dilovian period. I'll learn all about Revelation. I'll learn all about the millennial. Well, I'm just telling you, I, I just need some help. I just, I just really want to feel the call of God. And I just really want to go out there and impact my generation for Christ. And, and the ladies in here, I just want to marry a good man. I want to go out. And I just, I just want to turn this world upside down for Jesus. Christ, I'm here to tell you, friend, that will never happen when you and I are destroying our minds looking at the things of this world and we'll, we'll brush it under the rug of, you know, I never look at pornography sites, you know, every once in a while I might jump on Instagram and see something or, or TikTok might have a video and, and I know it's a little ungodly, but could it really be in the category of pornography? I'm just telling you, friend, if Jesus Christ was sitting beside you in the flesh, would you be embarrassed to get on it? I'm here to tell you, friend, you you know what's wrong you know in your heart and we can sit here and fake all we want to that yes bless God temperance go ahead preach it brother Shepherd when we're sitting here filling our mind with the garbage of today we're gonna ruin our marriages we're gonna ruin our churches we're gonna ruin the testimony of God and friend is there anyone in here that cares anymore sure preach on joy 
Yeah, go ahead, preach on the, the happiness and the peace of God. Boy, that's good. I'm here to tell you, friend, you'll never understand the peace of God going to your dorm room, looking at what you're looking at, jumping in your car, sitting, in, sitting here, sitting there. You may think you're getting away with it. Friend, you're not getting away with it. Why aren't we seeing revival in our churches? Oh, we want to argue over worship wars? Forget it, man. Oh, we want to be this? We want to be the greatest mission? We want to, well, we just, I'm just here to, I can't wait till one day Dr. Getch calls me up and I get to preach in chapel. Friend, looking at what you're looking at, you'll never make it. I just want to have this good, happy marriage. And when I have it, when I get married, I'll stop. Friend, that's a lie of Satan. Ask some adults in here. How many adults that are happily married, that are giving counsel to those who are still addicted to something they started looking at even while they were in Bible college? It ought to make you feel, and I feel gross, disturbed. Sick to your stomach. I know that there are some in this room that you've come to the altar so many times you think it's over. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've begged God, take this from me. You think, God's just going to give up on me because of what I'm looking at. Friend, I'm, I'm passionate today because you can't think that. God is not sitting up in heaven, sitting there ashamed. And I'm just telling you, hurry up and get out of there so maybe I can use you and clean yourself off. No, friend. He's up here today. And he's trying to reach down and lift you up out of the muck of life. He's given you and I all we need. And it's right here to control our thoughts. He's told you over and over, delete your Facebook, get off Instagram. Who cares what people think? You're destroying your mind. Friend, I'm asking you today. Are you really being serious that you want God to blow out the dust bunnies? Get rid of the thoughts. Stop looking at the sights and... I'm going to safari and a race, it's not a big deal. Well, nobody sees my, my, my view history on Instagram. Nobody really knows what I look like, uh, look at at TikTok. I'm just here to tell you, friend, I may never, Thomas Shepard may never know. And the dean's office may never know. But God knows. So, Mr. Shepard, what do we do? I'll close like this. I want you to write this down. Temperance developed. Temperance developed. Friend, admit your weakness. Forget your past. And believe God can bring change. How many times have you asked God to forgive you? 15, 20, 30, 40? Ladies, you keep going right back to it. Gentlemen, you keep going back to it. 
You've lost control. How dare us stand in a pulpit and harp on an alcoholic? How dare us talk about somebody addicted to drugs or self-harm? How dare us think that we are all holy and mighty? We're sitting there looking at the garbage that we're looking at. Friend, has what I've said affected you at all? Some today have got to get on their knees and quit looking in the past at how many times they've asked for forgiveness. That they have got to admit, God, I have sinned. And you have to believe that God will forgive you and help you move on. Every faculty member in here, from the Weavers to Dr. Getch, Dr. R, Dr. Shetler, Dr. Demersion, Coach, Brother Spaith, I think Brother Keenan's in here, probably others I'm looking around, I can't see. I'm just here to tell you, every one of us would tell you we're here to help. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Don't be. It's destroying our churches. I don't know about you, Dr. Getch, but I'm sick of people getting divorced. I'm sick of jumping on Twitter and everybody making fun of Christians because, well, there's another pastor that failed. I'm here to tell you, friend, you're not there yet. It's time to have a movement right now. I'm talking about at this auditorium, not caring, well, well what's my girlfriend going to think? What's my, well, what are they going to think? Well, what's, it's Dr. Mersin who's back there, and she's, I'm in her class, what's she going to think? Dr. Shetler, I mean, it's just so embarrassing. It just, I'm just telling you, why don't, why don't for a second you just stop worrying what everybody else thinks? And understand that just like the prodigal that came home, the dad wasn't up there saying, well, yeah, come on back, all right. All right, see what you can do. You know, go start out. No, no, no. <laughs> when that prodigal came home, The father ran to him. God's ready to run and help you today. And allow you to take back the control in your life. The question is, will you let him? Controlling 2020.